Chapter 7 of Manners for Men. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jude Summers. Manners for Men by Mrs. Humphrey. Chapter 7 On Horseback. A great change has taken place during the last few years in the character of riding costume for the park. The subject may scarcely be a suitable one for a little book intended for those unaccustomed to the usages of the society of the wealthy, but there are almost always exceptional cases in which such information may be found of use. Only quite old-fashioned people ride in black coats, the usual gear consisting of knickerbocker suits with Norfolk or other country jacket, brown tops, and bowler hats. It must be admitted that this is a distinct gain in picturesqueness. Straw hats are often seen on riders in the park, but these have not quite so good an effect. The old formalities in dress are rapidly disappearing. A man may ride in town in a tweed suit, which once would have been considered highly heterodox. He may even walk about London in the height of the season in a tweed suit, but it is not considered correct for him to join his friends in the park without reverting to the black coat and high hat. Many an old statesman is still to be seen in the park riding in frock coat and tall hat, just as john leech depicted the men of his day there are certain rules of etiquette connected with riding on horseback which no one can afford to ignore it is extremely ill-mannered to gallop noisily past a mounted lady the risk being of startling her horse and inconveniencing her if not subjecting her to an accident the rule of the road for equestrians is to keep to the left exactly the opposite to that for pedestrians in passing others in front a detour is made to the right in meeting other riders or wheel traffic of any sort the rider keeps close to the left in accompanying a lady the gentleman keeps on her right hand whether in town or on country roads at a meet of hounds where ladies in carriages often assemble it is not polite to keep too near them if mounted on a fidgety horse when the hounds throw off the inexperienced in such matters has a disagreeable way of getting in front in his eagerness and sometimes overriding the hounds this in the eyes of the huntsman is not a fault it is a crime of the blackest dye if commissioned to take charge of a lady in the hunting field a man must sacrifice his sporting instincts to a certain extent in order to see her safe over her fences giving her a lead or following her lead as circumstances may dictate his desire to be in at the death may be as great as hers but he must not indulge it at the expense of his politeness very often his charge may beg of him to go on and leave her to her own devices if he should perceive that she is really uncomfortable about keeping him back he may possibly yield to her persuasion but in the case of any accident happening to her he would be certainly called to account by those who had placed her in his charge one of the mistakes made by novices in the hunting field 
is that of getting themselves up in pink, though they may not be a member of any hunt. This is more particularly the case when the packs are near town. Good West End tailors would never allow their clients to make such mistakes as these. They are the best authorities on all the minutiae of country riding costume and it is well for the customer to put himself unreservedly in the hands of the long-experienced in such matters. Of course, this means high charges. Experience and skill are commercial commodities, just as much as fine cloth and silk linings. But if a man can afford to go a-hunting, he ought to be able to afford the advice of a good tailor. In mounting a lady on horseback, the gentleman takes her left foot in his right hand and when she springs he helps her in this manner to reach the saddle and afterwards adjusting her left foot in the stirrup and arranging her habit for her end of chapter seven